0: hello and welcome to episode 12 of the absolute game of nerds with your non-geek non-nerd hosts jp and rohan and today we're doing what we do best interview uh interesting people from across the insta or the instagram and uh youtube area so we have manu from 9.9 the newsstand or the 9.9 newsstand excuse me and i have rohan go ahead and give a great much better detailed introduction
1: uh, yeah, so today we have Manu from the nine point nine newsstand. I first met Manu because I bought a ASM three sixty one off of him, and we just started talking from there. Uh, and now we talk, you know, a handful of times, probably every week. Um, yeah. I, you know, I we've talked about how if you're getting back into the comic community or you get back into the hobby, there's a lot of people you can follow to learn a lot of stuff from. And Manu is definitely one of those guys, if you follow the 9.9 newsstand, he's got a lot of information and you learn a ton. I will say most people uh, have like a very general, broad scope of information that, that you can learn from. Right. Manu is like the guy that um, if you are going to get your Ph.D. in economics and you had to write your dissertation and you get so finite, you're like, OK, my dissertation is on the economic effects of women. Uh, starting to work more in rural Iowa, and then you write this 500-page dissertation on that. Like Manu has his his realm, and he is the expert in that. And I would say, Manu, and you can you can help me guys. Like the symbiote, Spider-Man, Todd McFarlane, all those things kind of in that genre. That's kind of your jam. And that and that what we're looking for here. Yeah, Why don't you say so say hello, Manu, and kind of go and go into that.
2: Yeah, hello. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me, JP and Rohan. I really appreciate being here. And that was beautiful and really well said. Yeah, like uh, the foundation is uh, symbiotes, uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, Black Suit Spider-Man, Venom, Carnage, Todd McFarlane, but overall 90s nostalgia. Like if I venture out at all, one of the the common fibers is going to be like 90s nostalgia for the most part. But to add on top of that, um, I love scarcity, rarity, difficulty, the challenge, right? We'll talk about the entire journey and, the, and, and, and what, my, what, what collecting means to me and being involved in that means to me. But if I venture out of the 90s into more modern, the one thing that we can almost always bet is that it's going to be a very difficult chase, whatever I'm after, because that is really a motivation for me. And uh, I haven't gotten into like silver and golden age yet. Very, very little, but I haven't, but I am going to, I've been learning a lot from you. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to venture. I'm going to Yeah. Venture. All right.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's very kind of similar to how, when we had Errol, um, who who was a guy, the guy that guys remember. 1, he was like, I'm all about things that are hard to get. And so that's kind of right up your alley. Yeah. Um, and so JP, to kind of give you the example of this, so Manu is on a show with this guy, Justin, uh, whose feed is Spidey Hits. Yeah. And I was watching their show last night. And it's it's a lot of it is about uh, cards versus like versus like comics is what we normally talk yeah. about on cards. And so Justin is is opening these packs of cards and they're going through them. Uh, and there's this card that comes up and Manu goes, "Is that guy wearing a purple ski mask?" And and, and Justin's like, "Yeah, it's it's Baron Zemo." And he's he like, "Baron Zeno, who's that?" I have no clue.
2: <laughs> so it's like clue. he's
1: got his realm and that that's his jam. But like, it doesn't doesn't. It... <laughs>
2: And I love that you said that you're like, you know, there's people that have like, you know, they know a lot about a lot. And then like me, I just get hyper focused and deep into the specifics of something so nuanced and rare, but I like to become a master of that. I like to become the the resource for anyone else in the world that might be seeking that out, like come to me. And if you just want to learn, I'll help. And if you want to buy, maybe I've got it. You know, I like that.
1: And I will tell you, you know, Uh, recently, I maybe it's not been recently, but I mean, I've obviously been in this hobby back in just fairly recently. But it seems like there's been a lot of hype all of a sudden generated about these wizard ones with the Spider Man in the magic suit. I would say, at least from what I know, Manu is the hype man for that world right there. I mean. (laughs)
2: I'm so proud of you of hearing you say that. I'm not going to I'm not going to say yes or anything, but like you could see it on my face, I'm so happy to even be brought up in that conversation or to be thought of as a part of that. And I would love for tonight to just to, we should have some wizard conversation, talk about yeah. how we got to this point. How did yeah. we get where we are right now in Wizards because it wasn't by accident and it didn't take very long. It's like a 2-year journey. Um, yeah. But boy, did it. it happen?
1: And I love on your I love on your Instagram profile, it says curated by a 90s snob. Yeah. I love that you saw that. I I literally just
2: changed that. I a saw month that ago. Too. I
1: I literally was just looking at it before. I was like, oh, let me just check his feed real quick if there's anything I should want to ask about. I just read at the top and I was like, Oh, that's great.
2: I love it. I love yeah. it. First time I've changed my bio since getting on in late 2020, whatever the first year of COVID lockdown was, late yeah. in that year was my first time on. Yeah.
1: Yeah um so oh, anyways instagram? we usually start or oh, yeah 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 so manu, we usually start yeah. with kind of an origin story and we kind of already okay. got into a little bit about that but why don't you just tell us who you are where you're from what you do and then we'll kind of get going from there
2: okay wow and um i i talk a lot so i'm going to try to control that uh I, my name is manu i'm the 9.9 newsstand that's the brand that i decided to name myself when i first hopped onto instagram Right late in whatever, like we just said, whatever the first year was of uh, COVID lock. I think that's late 2020. I think 2020. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 2020.
2: yeah. Late 2020. I, I, I started the Instagram account, the 9.9 newsstand. And there's a very specific and intentional reason why that's the name. And I'll get into that in a moment. But what brought me to Instagram, that is actually when I came back into collecting. Like my hiatus from collecting is decades long. And within those decades being removed from, you know, being uh, preteen into my teenage years, when I was actively at comic book stores in the nineties, when everything was the, you know, it, it was the biggest collecting uh, period mm-hmm. until now. And then we had a collapse and that collapse sort of fell in line with me becoming a teenager. And then you become aware of so many other things in the world and, you know, your 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 interests, they, they shift, they change. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I had exited uh, collecting in the nineties, like so many people did, but over the decades, I've lived in many places and everywhere I've lived, there was always four comic books that were always with me. They were always at my, like in a drawer next to my bedside or somewhere. They weren't necessarily displayed, but they were always with me. And that never changed. And, and from time to time, I would find myself going into a comic book store because the smells wake up the nostalgia. You know, you'll find like an Eric Larson or a McFarlane cover for 8 $9. But I have no idea what the market's like, what the community's like. But I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll buy another one of those. You know, just bring it home for the nostalgia hit, right? What
1: What were the four comics?
2: Right. So it was uh, Spider-Man 1, of course, right? The Todd the McFarlane. Standard, the Todd McFarlane Torment series, right? The standard green cover. Um, and then there was also the silver cover, which was still poly bagged with that big, like, number one collector's edition red logo yep. on it. Yep. Like red literally, black. my mother bought me that book for like $20 in the 90s. It was a wall book, even though yeah. there's 30 bajillion of them, right? Because yep. that's the yep. 90s for you. You could buy that book now for less than what, what my mother paid for 30 years ago, but it's, it's far more important than that $20. So there was the two number ones, there was Spider-Man number 13, which is the homage to number one, yep. but with the symbiote suit. And there was an issue of 363, which is the floating heads of Venom, Carnage, and Spider-Man by Bagley. Bagley and McFarlane—they shaped me, you know, as yeah. a child, and what my visual delights were. Right? It was that, um, and so those are always with me. Not expensive books, but invaluable to me. And those four copies, of course, are still with me. Uh, it's not—it's not—it's not like that's saying something huge. Like, what am I going to do? Sell them for thirty bucks? You know, like it's not a big deal that they're still with me. But they have—they're—they're they're, they're priceless to me. And so those are always with me, but like the story of a lot of people that I've spoken to in the beginning of COVID, you know, to add some context, prior to the shutdown, prior to COVID, I was already going through a personal transition where I was already making a lot of life decisions that were not the way that I had lived my life up until that point. I'd been removed, I'd started to remove people from my life. I'd started to really pay attention to where my time was going, who my time was being spent with, you know, when I'm putting energy out there, what sort of energy am I getting back? When I wake up in the morning, what are the effects of who I've socialized with the evening prior? You know, what sort of anxieties do I have about who I have plans with, so on and so forth? These kind of like, really like, I was in a I was in a really positive place of thought right before the pandemic. And I, I had also just made the transition to being a vegetarian. I know this has nothing to do with comics yet, but it's gonna tie in. It's just it's just to, to say, I was in a space where I was looking for change. I was looking to change my life, change how I felt about where my efforts were being spent. I had had successes in entrepreneurial endeavors, so on and so forth. And I I just wanted something different with my life. And the pandemic happened. And one day, um, visiting my parents, I pulled out a short box of comic books, like so many people did, you know, just for fun. I pulled out a short box of comic books and I brought it home with me. Because that, in my mind, my uh, plans for that evening were to just enjoy flipping through this box one by one, just to get that feeling back, to connect with who I was when I was younger, because I never lost that person. It just got, you know, other things happened, right? And Mm -hmm. as I'm flipping through this box, I'm deciding, well, let me see what's on eBay. This is my beginning of coming back into collecting and figuring out what's happened in this market, you know, in this marketplace, what what is this community about? And I start looking at some prices of some books and I'm like, okay, you know, 20 bucks, 15 bucks. And I see, you know, plastic cases on books and there's these graded books that have much more value. I'm like, what is this? I had never seen a graded book in my life. And so I start going down that rabbit hole of understanding what is CGC? What's a graded book? What's a 9-8? And I started discovering as I'm flipping through books that there's multiple versions of the books that seemingly appear to be the same, but there's direct edition and newsstands. So, you know, we're talking the 90s, right? And the first newsstand, I I learned right away what a newsstand was, um, and I got excited about that because it triggered something internally that just works for me. Oh, wow, this is what was neglected back then. No one cared, no one paid attention. And that's why it's so hard to find them at a high grade now, which just, it resonated with me, like, Oh, those are going to be what I'm after now. Like I want not the additional art that we all wanted in the nineties. If mm-hmm. we had a choice between barcode and actual art, we're taking art, you mm-hmm. know? Right. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, but especially McFarland books, especially. And that makes perfect sense. I do not, no one can argue that, but the, the thing about it now that's replaced the idea of art versus lines is the emotion that a newsstand brings to the table. You know, something that survived neglect and being not cared for. You know, bookstores, I mean, I mean, comic book stores, collectors, careful readers, bag and board as soon as you walk out of the store or before you even walk out of the store. But if you're buying a book at Barnes & Noble, 7-Eleven, you know, bag and board. It's literally in the bag with whatever else you purchased that afternoon. And then you're reading it and doing whatever with it. So that made a lot of sense to me. And in that short box that I was flipping through, I was really going through it slowly because I realized, well, eventually I'm gonna run out of this short box and I'll be kind of sad. But in the middle, I saw it, I didn't even realize, I didn't remember that I had a 316. But the interesting thing about Amazing Spider-Man 316, that beautiful book that we all love, well, I love it. I'm assuming you guys love it as well. No, it's great.
1: Yeah, it's great. Right?
2: I had a framed piece of artwork, uh, not like an original art, but I've had artwork in my home of that image, even when I'm not in collecting, even as a 30 something year old, you know, just living my life. And I saw that book in the middle of the short box and I was elated. I'm really, I'm sensitive to like emotion and that emotion I can't forget. And as I slowly reached in to pull it out, I had already given myself a a rundown on what a newsstand was for some reason in my short box from when I'm 12, 11 years old, the 316 was a newsstand and it just felt so right to me. It felt like the universe was signaling to me, like, Manu, yeah, you you kind of stumbled upon this day where you pulled the short box out, but this 316 being a newsstand is the universe telling you something. And I got really excited, and I decided I, I'm going to start an Instagram page, and I'm going to take a picture of some of these books in my short box, and I'm just going to see where this goes. And the reason I went with the 9.9 newsstand is because I just started learning about grading, and I was like, well, forget perfect. I don't want to go after perfect. seems pretty hard and I love what a newsstand represents. So it's just a state of mind. The 9.9 newsstand is about striving to be close to perfect, even in the face of adversity, when no one thought you would make it and no one cared to help you make it. That's what I feel with uh, with a high-grade newsstand, you know? So that's why I chose that name and that's how I got back into collecting. And what's happened since then has been nothing short of I'm just beyond grateful for the experiences. It's been a whirlwind. We've I've learned a ton. I I've done I've I've knocked off certain goals that I've created for myself and we're still going. And it feels like the beginning. And we're like a couple years in and I'm just super excited about everything. So that is a long winded origin story. I told you I talked too much.
1: I, I was I, I was very curious actually it's interesting to hear you say um that I mean you've it's, it's only been a couple of years since you're back into the collection because JP, I don't know how much you notice, but like, so Manu will sell, like, he'll post a book on his Instagram story, you know, this, whatever. And then it'll have his price. Yeah. I I swear, dude, I don't know anyone that sells a book as fast as you. Like you've (laughs) definitely got, you've cultivated your following that. I love it. Thank you. The people that follow you also want what you're putting out there and like, I just feel like you put some other, and then the next slide's like, sold, thank you. And I'm like, how does this, this so fast, it blows my mind every time.
2: It almost brings me to tears every time because I'm just so damn grateful. Is there any level of profanity allowed? I apologize. Um, Oh yeah. Go for it. I'm just like,
1: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's like cock balls. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
2: No, I'm just, I'm just kind of blown away. Like I definitely set out with the intent to create an environment of engagement. Like I wanted to connect with people, right? But I also had complete faith in what I loved and I wanted to curate and cultivate a place that reflected my interests. And if I was going to attract people into that place, I wanted them to be there because they're attracted to what I'm attracted to. Not because I begged for someone to come, not because, you know, I just wanted the universe to deliver the people that think and see things the way I do so we can actually have a community, so we can actually have a group of friends. And before I even ever started selling, I did make efforts at selling early, but it was different. I realized I have to establish a reputation, so on and so forth, I was just feeling things out. But I remember the first time I put something up for sale on my story and uh, it it sold. It was a it was a three hundred dollar raw book. It wasn't the first book I sold. It was the first book I sold on my story. And I just had I just felt so empowered and encouraged by that that I didn't put up before sale post. I didn't utilize eBay. I went to my story to the to my friends in the community that are actually actively seeking out my content that's only running for twenty four hours. And in the first couple of minutes, someone said, bro, I'm interested. Can I see some more pictures? I did. And then he said, I'm going to take this book. I could not believe it. you know. And that was also a very transition. That was a pivotal point for me as well, because it showed me that I did build a place for people to actually engage and pay attention to the content and receive it well. And so then I was very careful to make sure it wasn't always selling because I never want to overshadow the fact that I am a collector. I operate from emotion. I operate from a place of love. Even though I'm capable and I can create an environment where sales effectively do take place, I could sell anything. I mean, I don't mean that as as, as a, I'm not clapping for myself. I mean, I can put effort into being a seller of all kinds of things, but the person I am and the person I've become, I refuse to do anything I don't want to. I only want to be deeply engaged and involved in things that I love. No excuse. The finding of it, the pricing it, the selling it, the packaging it with care, the shipping it, the person receiving it, hopefully sending me a message telling me how pleased he or she is, all of that is the same sort of good feeling for me. All of that is being part of collecting for me. And and that is not a slight to anybody's process of collecting, but it's to say that It doesn't make me feel like any less of a purist collector that I'm involved on the selling side. I feel so blessed to be able to be involved on the selling side. And I would never want that to change. And I would want always my collecting journey to be like all encompassing. I want all that to always be a part of it. And I forgot why I even started talking about any of that stuff.
0: Let let me ask a question. What what do you choose when you sell something, right? Yeah. are you finding things in the wild? Or are you trading for things? And then what makes you want to sell a particular book? You know, because I, I get the, the McFarland behind me on the wall. Those are all McFarlane's yeah. I had as a kid. Yeah. So yeah. those may not be worth more than 10 or 20 bucks, but I'm not really going to. What's what am I going to gain by selling them to get a hundred dollars? It's not it means it's not more worth to me. the
2: emotional trade. Yeah,
0: right. Unless I found one and I might try to, to sell that or up the, you know, the grade of the one behind me. But like what makes you. Like, if you're being a collector, what makes you sell something, right? Is this right. Fall, out of, fall out of enjoyment from it? or?
2: Oh, never. No, no, no. I If I'm selling something, I love it just as much as if I just would keep it forever. I, I actually only want to sell things that I love because that makes it so that I can completely stand behind um, how I'm pricing it, how I feel about it. If someone were ever to ask me, because, you know, I have friends that hit me up and they'll send me like an eBay link and they're like, should I buy this? and it's like i'm not going to convince you to buy it are you going to be happy if you you know if x amount of dollars leaves your account and that gets mailed to you that's the only question you need to answer answer cuz i'm not going to help you decide whether the price is fair cuz then you're making me work you do the work you know all due respect if you respect my time then you should do the work or else i'm feeling disrespected that you're asking me to do the work it doesn't make sense right like so if you actually have an interest in an item, you should be willing to invest the time in doing the due diligence. But the only thing that I'll ever tell somebody for the most part, and there's obviously different conversations, is if it makes you happy, buy it. And And that's why it's so important for me to only sell things that make me happy, because I know the significance of them to me. I know that I love that item. I can be super grateful and proud of someone else having this in their collection so that when they get it and they post it, look what I got, I'm so happy it came so in such great shape. I'm not gonna be ashamed of posting it on my story like I sold that to them at that price. No, no, I'm gonna be proud of the price, the product, everything, everything about it. Uh, and so, it, but that's just a part of the answer, but it's a really great question because to tie this into my character as well, even when I was younger collecting, literally um, 7, literally seven, eight, nine years old, I was always aware that this is a marketplace. I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. So selling just feels good to me. Even if I cry a little about what I've let go of, the fact that I sold it gives me a rush. So that's also a motivation. I'm motivated to sell because it feels like a, a victory every time it happens, right? anytime somebody sends me money for something, I'm like, I can't believe this is actually still happening. This is amazing. I don't want to stop. Um, (laughs) And aside from that, this is interesting because I was having this conversation and this thought earlier, like there's the word flipper. Sure, I flip, right? But I'm not that flipper, meaning I'm not out buying a bunch of stuff retail and then marking it up, you know, in height. Like I'm not buying a book. I'm not waiting at the drop of some comic book trying to buy as many $5 copies of it as I can and then trying to sell them a hundred of them for $15 a pop. Like, no, that's not what I'm doing. That's not what I want to do. I don't want to be up to speed on what's hot for whatever arbitrary reason right now. No, emotion and, and, and the sentiment and the nostalgia on something I believe is a value proposition and it can sustain over time. So I'm not worried about spec or anything. But another motivation for me selling is definitely profit. I love when I accomplish something because of my time and effort, my knowledge, my education, my hunt, my persistence, my awareness, my attention to detail, get something either undervalued because I found it in a place where they didn't know what it was, and I know that I have an audience that would appreciate it for what I know it to be, and there's a margin of profit. I love extracting that margin of profit. That allows me to continue doing what I do. That allows me to reinvest into buying more fun things and trying more experimental grading, right? So it feeds itself. But so money is definitely a motivation. I'm not, I don't ever sit around say, oh, no, I don't do it for, no, money is a great motivation. If you buy a book for $500, right, because you took a risk and then you invested a couple hundred bucks, press clean and grade, and all of a sudden it's a six, $7,000 book. That feels fantastic, right? And you can put that book in a box and you can pull it out every once in a while and look at it. But when I look through a box and it's $6,000, $6,000, $6,000, one of the loudest thoughts is I should probably um, convert this back into cash so that we can keep this thing going and do more amazing things. There's only so many $6,000 books you can pile up before you're like, "Um, that's a lot of money over there in that corner, you know? (laughs) And it's... (laughs) so i'm a hey, big i'd oh,
0: t- be happy with the power of those six thousand dollar books yeah. anyway
2: <laughs> i mean i yeah, yeah man the first graded book i bought was a hundred bucks right and i was nervous wreck because i didn't know what i was buying and then it, the encapsulation came in i was like all right so this is what it is so on and so forth it was also my introduction to like cgc's poor quality uh quality uh control <laughs> there was like a broken piece of plastic in there i was like like I'm um, messaging the guy on eBay, like thinking I got ripped off. Like, what is this? And he had to explain to me, like, you don't know what you're talking about yet guy, but CGC is a joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I was like,
2: all right, a hundred dollars to learn something invaluable. But um, so I love selling. I love selling the sort of things that are really difficult to get. And every time something difficult leaves my collection, I have now the luxury or the benefit of getting to challenge myself to recreate that grade or find that item again. But also there are things that I do not sell and it ties into what uh, Rohan was. uh, You were so kind to bring that up on that other episode, man. I appreciate that. The forever PC, right?
1: Yep.
2: Yeah. Um, There are things that you can call my forever PC, but my forever PC, no shame in me saying this, there is a price on any of it, right? I may not ever sell those four books that have always been with me, but they're not worth selling. So I don't ever have to make that decision. Those I'm always going to be able to enjoy the emotion of. But there are certain books that emotionally I'm completely attached to, but the truth is the price that I wanna sell them for are six figure prices. And if those offers come, those books will go. They might not hit six figure value for years and years and years, but I love having them until that happens. But when that value is realized, they're going to go and I'm going to use that six figures to do something very positive in my life, my family's life, so on and so forth. And that positive effect of introducing tens of thousands of dollars into you know your, your, your routine and your life uh, to me is is more precious as long as you don't frivolously waste your money than having the one item and the memory of the one item the execution of achieving that into my collection, I'm never going to lose that experience. It's always a part of my journey. And that's something that I think did resonate with Rohan. I'm really glad that it did, because I mean that from the bottom of my heart. There's not a single item that I've sold to someone that I don't feel like, I don't feel the loss of it. Sometimes I miss it. I'm like, oh, I'd, I'd really love to have that back. But then I just think back on the fact that I had it, and there was great profit in the transaction, hopefully there was. And it all just makes me happy again. And I'm like, well, I'll I'll make it happen again, you know? And um, that's kind of what drives me. But there's certain one of ones that you can't recreate. I can never make happen again. Those ones, I have like this price point in my head. And one day they'll get to that price point. And at that point, I'll I'll move them.
1: So real quick, I want to ask two quick questions before we continue on this conversation. So one, is Instagram your sole place for selling now? Or do you sell anywhere else? And then two, when we first started chatting when I bought that ASM 361, I had asked you, are you a full-time dealer? At the time you said, I may be getting there. I still do some, I think marketing work. It was. Um, Yeah. Are you now a full-time seller only, or do you still do both or what? And so those are the two questions.
2: No, uh, beautiful question. So in terms of selling, my primary source of selling is not even what we see in our stories. You know, when I see something, on my, when you see something on my story, it's because it's entertaining for me to take a picture, put it on my story and hope it sells. Sometimes they don't. And a week or two later, I'll put it back up. That, that's a fun thing where it keeps me engaged. I love it. But most of my selling happens just through um, one-on-one communication. People I've sold to in the past maintain relationships with. We're in conversations every single day whether it's a book i ever post they don't even know it exists sometimes people you know say if and when you get this book i'll pay you x well that's always in the back of my mind so i'm like oh that if and when i'm gonna make that if and when happen you know and so there's plenty of books that come and go no one knows but it's all one-on-one and it's usually just through personal communication i stopped selling on ebay not because i don't love ebay i love ebay um there were just certain annoyances that i wanted to avoid and it actually inspired me to be better at finding my own, you know, personal buyers, private relationships, and um, so I, I decided to put more effort into that. So, personal relationship is basically where. And the reason that works out is that I, I'm not a volume seller, volume seller, and I don't have intention of becoming. I am um, perfectly happy selling, you know, several smaller books, raw books, just having fun, shipping things to people that want cool stuff, and selling five, seven, or eight. High dollar, dollar items per month. Um, I don't need a million shoppers. I don't need any of that. I need a few really specialty relationships with people that appreciate doing business with me and continue to do so. And, and it keeps me uh, energized constantly. Oh, uh, what was the second question? Then now, Am so I are, full-time?
1: You, are you a full time dealer now or do you still do other work?
2: I still do other work, but I spend more time in the collecting community in general than any other aspect of my life. So it's more than full time because, honestly, I wake up in the morning and I hop on eBay, you know, and, yeah. and then like I, I, I spend hours a week in my Instagram DMs, hours a week in my Instagram messages. I spend hours a day sometimes on phone calls, like phone calls about niche items turn into one and a half hours, three hours. And it feels like 30 minutes between me and whomever I'm discussing it with because we're that in, interested in it. Um, So the amount of time that I spend in collecting, gathering, acquiring, grading and selling, it's ridiculous. Like I am completely all in, but I've never really said I'm a full time dealer because I don't want anyone to pigeonhole me into being just a seller. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, it's well, I don't I I really don't know what to call myself. But yeah, definitely a dealer of very specific things. You know, like people aren't going to call me to buy some modern variant of something.
1: Yeah. So where are these rare items that you sell? Where is eBay your main source of where you find them or where where are you sourcing all this stuff? Like or in general?
2: eBay is an incredible place to find them. But one thing that's so amazing is if you allow yourself to be so dedicated, so insanely focused, you're gonna learn so many things that other people are looking right at, but can't identify what they are. There are certain books that people think you have to open them up to identify whether X exists within it. I have learned certain things that literally no one else knows, and I'm, I'm guarding certain things. I'm just going to be completely honest. They are my edge. So on eBay, for a few titles, I could find the version of a book that's a multiple of what the person is selling it for, and they don't realize it. And when I purchased that book, my job is to sell it to the person that understands what it is so i can mm-hmm. make that margin of course and i early on i would feel kind of bad about it but the interesting thing about this is your education i made this up and maybe someone else has said it because it's pretty good so but my your education is your edge right yeah' the no, me- that you have
1: I said, we we had this discussion uh in that same podcast you heard with lunch money comics as he does like the flea market thing and garage sales and we had this exact conversation of like if you come across someone selling something for x and you in your mind know it's worth 10x or whatever yeah is yeah. it your obligation to inform them and I, I i'm with you i i agree like everyone's got a smartphone these days and if you don't have the time to do the due diligence of what you're selling You've already decided that oh if I sell it for this this is a good price for me. I'm happy with So that. you're already happy if you get Exa- your money. Exactly. So I have in my opinion I have no no bad feeling in my mind being like oh I just bought a $500 book for $20. Like I not that that's happened but like I would have no issue. It's just like I said that day I'd be like yes. Like here we go. Yeah. Exactly.
2: And I love you that's so keen of you to say. They got what they wanted. They're happy. Mm-hmm if you pay them the 20 bucks for the 500 bucks and then you send them a message saying, ha ha ha, you just left 480 on the table. They're going to feel like crap, but that's not what we're doing. We're giving them what they want and we're doing what we want. They Mm -hmm. never know. They left money on the table. Everyone's happy. Right. And and again, like so, when it
1: comes to selling and buying, it's like you, the person buying has no obligation to buy. It's just, if it's what you want and it's a price you want it at, you're going to buy it. Yeah. And as you as the seller, it's up to you to say, I want to sell this book or whatever it is I'm selling. And this is the price I know I can sell it for. Right. Again, if you didn't do the time to research what that number should be, that's your choice.
2: Yeah. You know, and if I've got a personal relationship with someone, then yeah, I'll step in and and guide and advise. But if I don't know you and you're just a name selling on eBay, I'm going to do what I do. Um, And so You know, so there's there's that sort of arbitrage that can take place on eBay. And then there's also a lot of benefit to just being the first to see something, you know. And so you have to actively be on eBay a lot. But eBay is only one place. I also hunt in person, but that's quite a different sort of hunt. I do like going antiquing on the weekends. You come up short more often than not, but sometimes you find really cool stuff. And when you're into niche, it doesn't always have to be high grade to bring in the dollars. There are certain things that only 10 exist in the world. It doesn't matter how tore up it is, it's still thousands of dollars if you discover it, right? So I enjoy those kinds of opportunities. But one of the most, one of the greatest things that's happened is whether it was in person, whether, oh my God, put up the stint. Oh, dude. Well, I, I, continue yeah. talking
1: and then we'll talk about this because it kind of ties into what we're talking about right now.
2: It, it does. So I'll, I'll finish this spiel real quick um, because I, I really want to talk about this. Certain purchases, wherever they first happened, comic book stores, in-person, Craigslist, eBay, whatever, some turned into beautiful relationships that have lasted. And I've become the person that certain people come to to say, hey, I've got this. Do you want it? And they value, they know I'm gonna make more than them off of it when I'm done, but they value the fact that they can come to me and I'm gonna pay them right away. And that is of value to people. So the repeat relationships have been hugely beneficial to me. Uh, let's talk about this. Man.
1: Uh, well, yeah, so J.P., I, I don't know if you've seen this on his feed or not, but so in terms of finding yeah. things that are rare, uh, Madu, if I, Am I correct? You own this book. It is a wizard one with the Spider-Man. Yeah. And it is the only one in the world that is a 9-8 signed by Todd McFarlane and Stan Lee, correct? It's the only one in the world
2: that's a 9-8 signed by Stan Lee. It just happens to be that it's also signed by Todd. There is not a 9-8 only signed by Stan. This is the only one signed by Stan. It just happens to also have Todd on there.
1: Yeah. Awesome. And I do
2: own it. Yeah. This is one of the books that I won't sell until somebody makes me sell it, right? Yeah. And uh, I really want to talk about it. I, the yeah.
0: six-figure book.
2: But one day, one day uh, I did. All, I refused twenty-five thousand dollars, so we're not far, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean that it. one on Elite wasn't it eighteen thousand? Uh, on on Grails, an SDCC signed by Todd T. Dot not even the full Todd. Not to say T. Dot's not amazing. If it looks good, it looks great. I just posted a book on my Instagram. T. Dot signature. It's absolutely beautiful. But the one that sold on Grails. Uh, this book I actually have right here. There's a few wizards that I pulled out and I'll show them too.
0: Um, on Grills, T-dot?
2: like T-dot? Todd McFarland's signature, instead of it saying T-O-D-D, the full Todd, which is the more sought after version, because now he does T-dot, yeah. the first initial, more often than he does McFarland, I mean, than Todd, because he signed so many books, right? So that brings in a, a decent premium for certain books to certain collectors. And so an sdcc copy because wizard one comes in three forms a direct edition that you see here a newsstand that has a barcode you can you can identify it because it has very simply a barcode and then there's an sdcc edition which i have but i didn't bring out um and there's a logo a white logo at the bottom that says san diego comic con and has like a picture of a pelican or something of that sort now the sdcc version is is quite rare there are some details to discuss but we can save that for another episode Assigned 9.8 sold for $14,500. Um, but that is when there were only three on the census. The census has grown rather rapidly for that, and we'll talk about why. And that's changed in the, in the in just the last three months. The newsstand 9.8, of which I personally know now, there are three in existence. At that point, there was only one. The other two were created by someone I know after the fact. And it sold on Heritage about a month and a half, two months ago, for $18,300. Um, and that was a 9.8 newsstand. At that time, there were a total of 11 direct edition news, uh, direct edition, 11 9.8s on the census, combination direct and newsstand, because those two aren't broken out. But I had verified visually by seeing every other copy in existence at that time that it was the only newsstand. And other collectors knew that as well because it sold for 18000 Now, I mean, full disclosure, I had a bid in there above ten grand, and I was rather surprised that I didn't win it. Um, and now I do know who ended up winning that book, and that person is very aggressive and passionate about acquiring the rarest um, versions of Wizard. And I would argue that two years ago he probably wouldn't even thought about Wizard. It's quite amazing what's happened since. So this particular book, oh sorry, Ron, yes,
1: I was going to say that that new stand that you pulled out was that a nine eight or is that? No, this is actually a nine six that I haven't shown yet, and it just came back from the Todd signing. So
2: this is what we mean by T dot, right? It's not the full mm-hmm. Todd. And it's a newsstand, and it's a it's a 9.6. This was one of the raw newsstands from my collection. I started acquiring Wizards about three years ago when I first started. No one was looking at Wizards. So fun, amazing things have happened in that span of time. Um, and uh, this one was one of three that I sent to the McFarland Signing. And the the SDCC one that came back in 9.6, it was full Todd. I actually posted that a few weeks ago on my story, and I have sold it. And I didn't let anybody know the price I sold it for, but I sold it for the buyers really happy and I'm really happy as well. But it's very rare that it was full Todd, so I sold it. I have another 9.6 SDCC coming back right now. It's also a T dot. I'm gonna tell you about that in a second. So this is the newsstand. I am gonna post this eventually and then it will be for sale. The the newsstand has become the rarest version of this book. A 9698 newsstand is the rarest version of a Wizard 1. The SDCC is no longer the rarest version of a Wizard 1. Still very rare, but not at the moment scarce. Because of the excitement and enthusiasm surrounding Wizard, there's an abundance of them at market. So even if a book is rare, if they're all available, it's not scarce. Anyone can go get one as long as you're willing to pay. We have to wait until those trickle into collectors, like, you know, forever PCs and then we're going to see the values go up. But right now, values are going to go down because sellers are going to compete to sell. A lot of people graded just to sell. Now, if you graded yourself 9-6 newsstands, you don't got to drop your price. But if you graded yourself 9-2 directs, your prices have been slashed by 75% already because there's 30 available at any given time. There is not a single 9-6 newsstand available anywhere but it doesn't mean I'm gonna charge an arm and a leg, but it does mean the right buyer is gonna pay me something that I'm gonna be happy to say goodbye to it for. This is extremely difficult to do, which is why a nine eight went for eighteen thousand. You know, like I haven't been able to nine eight one, and this is not the only one I've graded.
0: So you had a the, the direct edition, the San Diego Comic Con and the newsstand of that same book. You've yeah, multiples. To that point.
2: Yeah, right. I mean, right now, currently I own all three in multiple grades and I've had several more and I've sold many. There are are very happy collectors out there that have nine eights in their collection because I graded them and that's where they went. When the the direct edition census only had um, two blue label nine eights and four yellow label nine eights, this is one of the four. So it was very easy for me to verify that the other three were not signed by Todd McFarlane because there were only four at the time. And of those two blue labels, I knew the owners, and then I started to make them. The third 9.8 on the census was a raw copy that I sold to a friend. I didn't anticipate it was a 9.8. It became a 9.8. So then I was like, I'm going to stop selling these, and I'm going to grade them. And then the fourth one to be added to the census was my 9.8, and I actually sold that one for $6,000. And people were like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. You cannot get $6,000 anymore for a 9.8 direct edition now, because now there's like, 17 on the census and mm. there's a handful available right at that point i was the only person that had one and that collector he's a he's a well-to-do gentleman he's not upset about the price he has since then bought them at half the price and the way that he you know tells me the story is it's all right manu i just brought my cost down my cost basis right. just came That's down the it's cost
0: average down yeah
2: yeah so for people like that they're just having a good time and they've got the money to do it and it's great okay so this nine eight here signed by stan i had it for a long time before i posted it when i purchased this book man the story of buying this book dude are you ready for the story because i get excited about this story yeah give us it, give it a. all right so i'm gonna leave the price out just because i feel a little bad about saying the price now but it was a no-brainer to buy it but the way that i'm built even if i know no one's looking at this i can't believe this has come available i have to buy this it was one night around 9 p.m i saw it on ebay and i was like i gotta buy this book the guy had it for a price and he had a best offer but me being indian bro i gotta make an <laughs> offer i gotta make an offer right? oh yeah baby oh yeah you know i don't i don't want to pay the asking price that i feel like i got robbed yeah i have to make an offer we're, so we're, we're born negotiators <laughs> yeah, we're bo- exactly, you know, exactly. So I make an offer. The guy responds and he goes, uh, thank you for your offer. But someone else just made X offer and it was higher than mine. And I was like, oh, that's fascinating. I'm glad that you told me that. And then he goes, I'm going to send out a counter to both of you guys and it's going to be whatever it was. So he sends the counter and me being stupid, for some reason I sent it instead of accepting the counter. I messaged him and I said, "What if I countered at this? Would you take that?" And as soon as I sent that, I was like, "I'm such an idiot. The other person has already offered X. This counter is only a little over X. The other person's going to buy this book, whoever this other person is." So obviously I bought it right away. I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry I sent the message. I sent it, but I just bought it, paid for it, right?" Immediately after that, the person the other person, I didn't know was a friend of mine. I get a text message or a DM, I forget, with a picture of this book. And I go, bro, I just bought that. He goes, that <laughs> was you? Because the, the guy I bought it from also sent that guy the same message. Like, I've got another guy offering on it as well. And I didn't know that I was competing with my friend. And my friend is the only other person in the world that I know that is as passionate about this magazine. If it was going to go anywhere, it was going to go to either he or I. I mean, admittedly, I'm super happy that it came to me, but also I'm super happy that he and I get to have this conversation and connection. But after the book became mine, meaning I paid for it on eBay, and I even got some eBay bucks for it, right? I get a message from the guy. Actually, I get a phone call because I guess that's part of the information that gets sent to him when, I, when I'm the buyer. And he introduces himself and I said, what's up? He goes, hey, did you pay? said yeah I paid that's why the book's mine now that's why it's sold I paid what are you talking about he goes nah, man the money didn't show up in my account and I said bro and I had connected some dots i had actually bought something from him on eBay before ironically it was a raw wizard one signed by Todd for 300 something dollars months prior and I saw that in the soul listings connected to it was and I said dude I bought from you before you know eBay you know how this works you're not gonna get any money until depending on if you're in good standings with eBay it depending on whether at, at the very least you're gonna have to uh you know put tracking up and at least have the book marked as shipped. No one's gonna give you any money. And chances are eBay's not gonna pay you until the book's marked as delivered on my end. What makes you think you're gonna get the money right now? That's not how eBay works, you know that. And so he was like, bro, I need the money. And I said, dude, he said, let's cancel this order and you just do it, PayPal. That way you'll save some money too. Like I'll knock the cost down. And I said, do not cancel this order do whatever you want do not I mean sell me anything I don't care what you have you sell me anything you need a thousand bucks sell me something I'll send you a thousand bucks right now while we're on the phone do not cancel this order he goes man I gotta think I gotta look into this he hangs up I get a refund for the amount right away and a message saying the order was canceled dude I'm in a full-fledged panic I'm calling the guy back no answer I get on the phone with my friend who realized that we were competing with each other and I'm explaining the story to him. He said, do you need more money? I said, no, bro, this has nothing to do with me. He's misunderstanding the scenario of of me purchasing this book and he's canceled and refunded. Five or 10 minutes of me just venting on the phone with my friend, the guy calls back. I said, dude, I gotta go answer the call. And he says, man, you're right. You did pay and I'm so sorry. I said, yeah, but you canceled it. What are we supposed to do now? He said, look, man, I owe you an apology, apology. I'm sorry, you shouldn't have become victim to like my personal frustration here. Um, I'm gonna just package up the book and I'm gonna ship it to you. And once you receive the book, you can just PayPal me the money. And I was like, what, for real? And he said, yeah, man, I shouldn't have done that to you, I'm sorry. So the next morning he sends me pictures of him at the post office, the book is packaged up, it's on the little you know scale to be weighed and he's literally sending it to me. And so I, I, I message him, I said, dude, I'm gonna send you your money right now. Like, I trust that you're gonna send me the book. I sent in the money, a few days later, it showed up. Now, I cherished it and kept it for quite some time before sharing it. And then one day I posted it on Instagram and I was just so happy about it because I had already started posting wizards prior, but no one knew I had this wizard. And I posted this one and everyone received the post so well, I was so happy. But someone made me an offer of $7,500 that day. Which is a multiple of what I paid. And I declined the offer. I didn't even counter because I didn't think it was anywhere near how important the book is to me or what I believe Wizard's going to become over the next decade. So I declined it. But that same day in the comment section, someone else left a comment and they were like, This is easily a $2,000 book. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, someone just offered me three and a half times that. It is easily a $2,000 book. And I just kind of enjoyed that, you know, just like a personal little gratification. And then somebody that became one of you know these people that I have a private relationship with that buys from me. Um, he, he caught the wizard bug. And and he calls himself, he's my group, he's my great friend, but he calls himself lovingly, jokingly, calls himself second place because this book I won't sell him. And this is the only wizard that no one else can recreate, right? <laughs> and you could grade nine point eights, you know. The hunt is still alive. This is not uh, well, a poor choice of words. Rest in peace. I meant to hunt for this. You can't hunt for this, right? And so he started a conversation with me about this magazine. This is before the newsstand sold for 18.5, many, many, many months before. And he made me an offer. He said, dude, I just have to have it. Um, I'm just gonna make you an offer. You're not gonna be able to refuse it. I said, you don't know what I think about this book, but all right, what's your offer? 25 grand. And I said, I'm refusing it, man. And he said, what? I'm gonna call your bluff. I said, if you send me $25,000, i am going to send it back to you because I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I'm, I don't need to utilize the 25000 So in my heart, I'm just going to know that I've lost this book and have a, a very good amount of money. Like, people will think I'm crazy, but it's not an amount of money that I have to dip into. So I get to weigh that as part of my decision making, and I'm not going to sell you this book. And he said, well, how much do you want to sell it for? And then I said something I'm not going to say out loud because it's, it's just silly. And then he goes well i can't do that i said well you're you do really well so why don't you continue to do really well and this book will continue to be with me and one day we'll pop a bottle of champagne and i'll ship you this book but just keep (laughs) kicking butt in what you do until you feel good about sending me what i want for the book
1: yeah (laughs) i mean yes that's exactly right though right like i mean you have no obligation to sell it and no so if you if he wants it from you like He's got to compel you to, and that number to compel is whatever you want it to be. I mean, no. yeah, yeah,
2: and please, JP. Yeah. Uh, so the the one
0: that sold for eighteen was a newsstand 9.8, signed by Todd, but not no Stanley.
2: signatures, no, no signatures. signatures. A blue label nine point eight newsstand, the only one that existed at the time. Now, currently, there are three. The public has only seen one. I know who I know the other one. The public has not seen it. it is not up for sale yet. It will be eventually. There are three in existence currently, and that number can go up. But I say with full confidence, the most difficult 9.8 to get in a wizard is not the SDCC. The census reflects that. It's not the direct. The census reflects that. It is the newsstand by a long shot. All
0: three of those newsstands are not signed, correct?
2: Um, Those three that I just mentioned are not signed. This is some information that I'm a little reluctant to put out there, but I think it is beneficial to the community to say so. There are signed 9.8 newsstands coming to a census near you. They're going to hit very soon. I don't know the exact amount. I know the responsible party, and they are more than capable of doing it. This is going to be the only time in history they're going to do it because they're taking advantage of the enthusiasm and they want to capitalize. This is the year of Wizards being graded. Two, 2023 is going to be, the. it has already been in the last six months, and it will continue to be the largest growth ever in our lifetime of Wizard magazines. Because the people that have become excited by the prices are the only people in the world that can actually add these numbers to the census. And once they're done, there is nobody second in line. They are the only people that can do this. And I know them, and I know them personally. That's why I can say that with confidence. Before them, it was me they trump me because of who they are and it's not it's not that they woke up and started saying oh i think i have wizards um they, they've had wizards they're i'm saying a little too much but maybe you could connect the dots right They're they come from the source almost and they're gonna run out this year
1: real quick question when you grade a wizard does it have to go under the magazine classification at cgc Fun,
2: fun thing about that is it doesn't, because it actually is the same size in height and width as a as a comic book,
1: oh. and you
2: do it, and it goes into an act- it goes into the comic book case. It doesn't go into the plastic, cheap, like really crappy magazine holders. It's thicker, but it is the comic book case, and it fits into the same boxes as your comic books. So you grade these as comic books until you get to the later, later issues where they actually change the size of the wizard. Those have to go into magazine holders. I don't even deal in those because those don't have a nostalgic hold on me. I like the early ones.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's Wizard 15. Yep. And behind it is my Daredevil book, right? So essentially mm-hmm. it would fit into a, like a Golden Age package, I think. Golden Age um, Mylar. Yeah, and, and I use bags, Golden yeah.
2: Age bags and boards for my Wizard yep. magazines. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I
0: just realized it's it's too big for the Silver Age one I have, but it would fit into a Golden Age one. So yeah. I didn't and realize I always thought go- they were bigger.
2: No, they're like the same dimension, just thicker. But the reason you have to go into a larger bag is because that that thickness of the magazine yeah. is obviously using vo- va- up um, whatever the, the word is. The volume in the bag, right? The yep. well, science, right? <laughs> so, You know, I, just
1: as a quick story on Wizard, um, I don't remember, and maybe you do, Manu, remember what issue it was, but I always remember, and we used to just have endless debates as kids, there was a Wizard issue that came out and said... Across the whole comic sphere, so both DC and Marvel. Mm-hmm. These are the top 10 most powerful characters. And the reason why it stuck out so much to me is because number two, to everyone's surprise, was Superman. And number one okay. was Silver Surfer. And Silver Surfer was is my all-time favorite character. And so I assume the tin. That we just, it was a constant like debate and like because my brother is a huge superman fan um, and so i don't know what issue that wizard is but like that specific story will always stick out to me when i think about wizards
2: i don't remember that issue but i love it and i love that number one with surfer for you and yeah. that also means that you need a copy of wizard number five do you have a copy of wizard number five no i don't i don't that's the silver surfer cover man you gotta get one
1: oh, all right i'll look into that that's awesome I, yeah i, I, I i'll I can't remember. I, I remember the Spider Man one, and I remember this one right here, the Wizard, uh, the the nine with Venom. And you remember eleven because you recently picked one up, did you not? Yes, the Spawn one. Yeah, yeah, I got that. Yeah, I got that one. Those are the I do remember those three. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna look up the, uh, the the number five when we uh, when we get off here.
2: Awesome, man.
1: Yeah, man. I
2: I I love the Wizards. The first recorded sales that like cover price and 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 key collectors started to report on were were my sales last year, right? The humble beginnings. Like I sold a 9.4 newsstand for 1100 bucks, but that turned heads. People are like, wait, people are paying over a thousand bucks for a wizard magazine. And they wrote articles about it on cover price and stuff. And I was like, this is actually happening. Like what I feel for this magazine, what I believe this is real, man. Like,
1: yeah, I I think there there was one, I think that just sold on hair. They're on heritage now.
2: A direct edition file copy just sold for 30 something hundred. And uh, there's an SDCC file copy coming up on auction on the 10th of this month. It's probably, you know, so a couple weeks worth of bidding or however Heritage works. Um, but yeah, they're on Heritage now. Yeah. And we'll but talk no, about what a file copy means. JP, yes, please.
0: I was just, uh, go ahead. If you want to go talk, I got something no, I no, can no, add. No, no. no, no, please. Um, just, I was talking to someone today. At, at the auction, the local auction, and we were talking about um, VHS tapes. Yeah. And the company that grades the VHS tapes also yeah. runs the auction that sells them. So that's why those yeah. prices have been inflated.
1: But I given the fact lot, that yeah.
0: these wizards are being graded by CGC and sold on Heritage, there's no connection there, right? So there was some yeah. inflation of the VHS tapes. Why, you know, a Back to the Future well, i don't even know why the cbs copy or the fox copy was selling for like seventy-five thousand sealed yeah. it just blew my mind but there was some inflating of pricing there where this this is like you said these are people who collected the wizards yeah and got them graded and not many people kept them in good shape i mean i'm most of mine are pretty beat up because i read them front and back and all day long
2: every day precisely you know yeah. So there's actually a lot here that I want to unpack and I'm going to and I actually I really appreciate you bringing this up. So I love that you use the word inflation, but I want to I don't want to substitute uh, another word for it. I want to add a word because it's very important manipulation. Those prices were inflated. But more importantly, there's a more sinister agenda at play. They were manipulated. Right. And and you're right. uh, There were graded VHS, also non graded. Um, There was also graded video games being manipulated at the same time. And That's one right. of the most infamous relationships we're talking about is Wada, the grading company, and I believe it was Heritage, the auction house. There was some intermingling in ownership, and it's also completely unregulated. Um, when you are bidding at Heritage or listing something, there's 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 um there's a terms of use, and in the terms of agreements or whatever, it says you know employees of Heritage can bid on whatever they want. Like it says that it's basically, they don't have to say who's bidding, right? No, no, the bidders remain private shilling, you know, uh, inflating the, the price of an item is is a very real activity that happens constantly. The reason that it was able to be taken advantage of in the space of VHS and in the space of uh, video games is because we were in the middle of COVID. Everything was nonsensical values of everything were going through the roof. You could have picked any stock, you could have picked any crypto, any comic book, it did not matter. The environment was ripe to manipulate. And then they did not release population reports for the video games. You didn't know how many copies there were in a 9.6 of a Super Mario Brothers one or whatever the case might be. And they were selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Anybody intelligent was able to, you know, be like, I should probably stay away from this and only a few people lost millions because only a few people bought million dollars worth of stuff at an auction. Right? right. But the problem with a million dollar sale happening and it being advertised is that things that would have cost $500 are now selling for $2,500, right? Because that enthusiasm lifts everything. So other people did get sucked into the FOMO and the manipulation on the lower end of things, relatively speaking, the lower end when we're comparing to a hundred thousand and a million dollar sales. Um, But that also happened across, uh, you know, really all the, every selling environment because the auction houses, there's no regulation. There's no one to control their behavior and there's no one to tell, there's no one to tell them anything. You know, if, if you're the owner of an auction house and you might not be the most ethical person, not pointing fingers at anybody at all, but let's say you own, um, you know, two of the thing that's going into auction right now, you have every incentive to make that sale really expensive. One, you're getting a commission on it. Um, second, one of your two is probably going to anonymously end up for sale a month later, right? Right. And, and also the players that were involved in this If you backtrack, they're the same people that manipulated and took advantage and were partly responsible for the decline in the 90s. It was the same people that reemerged 30 years later. And not only did everyone forget, but new money or new collectors, if you're 20, 25 years old, you don't remember anything. You don't know what happened in the 90s. So literally the same people who were investigated, imprisoned, sued and all kinds of stuff in the 90s are back in action now right. they're a little quiet because the market has gone the other direction but part of the reason why some, so much of the big money left is because the big money got burned it was the big money that got most burned because you could be really intelligent to become a multimillionaire, but you can still be susceptible to human emotion fomo manipulation so on and so forth you know and it happened oh, yeah. a, a lot Jeez. um wizards aren't falling into that only because they're not a widespread pop culture um thing right VHS is a huge widespread nostalgia bomb Nintendo's huge widespread wizard is still super niche no grading no um auction house has even invested themselves into it, it to benefit from pumping up the price they don't have any uh, they don't have a um, uh, skin in the game right it was it's not a big enough thing for them to do anything with when that when that one sold for 18000 me and one other friend that were like speculating what it might sell for we were surprised but i know the buyer of it now and i know who the seller of it was so i know there wasn't any manipulation um and i was one of the bidders in there like even i was prepared to pay a pretty a pretty penny but i was prepared to pay a pretty penny because i knew that i could enjoy it and you know eventually sell it for maybe a thousand or two thousand profit but i wasn't prepared to buy it for after fees and everything that guy spent over 20 grand i'm assuming you know, eighteen thousand dollars—the final, the hammer price, or whatever—or was that with?
0: That, might that with I don't elite. remember. Was that with elite?
2: No, no, it was that was Grail's fourteen thousand five hundred, but eighteen thousand three hundred was the newsstand on Heritage. I was just wondering, was the buyer's premium factored into the eighteen thousand? The buyer's premium was factored in. Tax was not factored in. If that person is paying tax, you are at twenty grand. Yeah. You know, so uh, that market's not manipulated in that way yet but there could still be manipulation in wizards if someone wanted to but it's just not an environment for it yet because the big money uh wizards they already got bought and they're not back on the market there's nothing to manipulate at the moment right you know
0: it's it's definitely niche i mean vhs tapes are you know that still was probably a niche collection and 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 so was the nintendo games and sega games but there's a much smaller market for these and depending yeah, on much smaller, eight, $18,000 for whoever bought it, most likely that's a drop in the bucket. And just to have something. That person spent travel. about a hundred
2: thousand dollars on books the month prior.
0: Yeah. So it's yeah. not it's something he, it didn't affect his income. And most people that you say got burned were the millionaires and it probably didn't burn them as badly as it would have been if Joe Schmo got into the FOMO and, and bought too many expensive books. Right. Cause they, even though they're smart and got the money, they're not smart not to fall into FOMO, like you said. So, exactly. therefore, you know, they, they made a mistake. They're looking to take cash, put in something else that may earn an, earn a rate of return better than cash. And they got burned and, you know, they got caught up in it. So, oh well, find the ne- write it off and find the next investment, most likely.
2: Exactly. Yeah. But it wasn't
0: small time guys. So, just like the no, 90s, for more of us. Buying 100 copies of Superman 75 and saying, I'm sending my kids to college with this, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. Didn't happen. You make such a good point because you, know, it, you it could be said universally. Most people did not get hurt by the pump and dumps. Like normal people, they didn't. They just have a talking point now. They just have something to verbally complain about. Oh, the market was pumped but they actually had no, their life wasn't affected at all. They didn't buy a pumped item. They didn't lose money on an expensive book. They never bought anything. They never sold anything. They're just enjoying (laughs) the narrative and being part of like controversy, right? Um, I do wanna say though, I love VHS tapes. I actually do believe in the value of sealed nostalgia. Uh, I love graded VHS. I haven't graded any, but I do have a nice collection of my favorite sealed VHSs. And one day I will grade, but there's plenty of time before that market matures. You know, it's not like it's not like a real market yet. It's still figuring itself out. I also love graded video games. I understand the idea when people are like, dude, it's sealed. It's in a box. Like, what are you grading? The cellophane? Yeah, literally, you are grading the cellophane. Like, you are and you don't get the experience to play the game, but that is, let's not be disillusioned. Is that the word? I don't know, but the the point is encapsulating nostalgia is just something that works for nostalgia-seeking collectors. It doesn't have to make sense. We are literally hunting the highest grade encapsulated
1: nostalgia, you know? I gotta, real quick, I just gotta say, I knew they still did video games. I did not know they grade and sell VHS tapes. Yeah. Oh yeah! Oh yeah!
0: That's what that Back to the Future was a graded VHS sealed. But but here, let me add. This is just a side part. First print, second print. The
2: whole thing is in that world. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and that matters. But you talking about? Excuse me. Your first, the four books you keep. One of them is Spider Man, the Green in the bag, or the Silver in the bag, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that mint? I always thought that was mint. So why is a VHS tape considered mint? If it's sealed in cellophane or a game, but that Spider Man's not mint. Because so you can take
1: that cellophane or that Spider Man and still like roll it up, fold it up, the bag. Could, I could stuff. take
0: and bash that VHS tape till it's oh no, it's still
1: it's it's not gonna be mint. If the if if you can see damage
2: beneath the cell, you're not only you know grading the cellophane i just meant that sort of jokingly right like well, literally right. Are, if yeah. it's
0: still sealed that was that was that was mint that's right I, but i oh, guess nah. not. you could
2: you could get a low grade you can have a you can have a first print batman you know tim burton batman um in its seal but it can get some low grade and only be worth 50 bucks if it's completely damaged underneath dented if uh you know you could if the cardboard's separating in the corners you can see that through the cellophane there's also yeah. watermarks on the cellophane. If those have been kind of rubbed off over the years, that's going to affect the grade, you know. And, and then, of course, if the cellophane is splitting or if there's tears in it, that all affects the grade. But it's just comical to think like we're really applying a grade to the shrink wrap, you know? Like, right. what yeah, if I just shrink wrap it? Like,
0: <laughs> you, yeah, I don't. You, I, that's one thing I wondered is sometimes they came. You can see there's a there's a piece of tape like a that silver tape. Yes, that goes across the, the VHS and the box. Yep, and you would cut it to you know pull it out and watch it. So if it's in the cellophane and and that thing still on, it, you know it was never watched. But that's what I'm getting at. Like the box itself, you it was it's still sealed. It was never watched. It was right? never but watched. Still not yeah. 100% perfect grade.
1: Like exactly. no one ever it's,
0: watched this movie, right? The game yeah, was never right. played. It's still in the cellophane, but it's not perfect, right? I mean, I, I, I get that.
2: We're funny creatures, man. Like we we attach importance to whatever arbitrary, meaningless thing we want. And if a market or community is created around it,
1: it's real. Yep. It oh, doesn't Yep. Me. Yep. Use stuff is worth what people people are willing to pay for it. I remember yeah. as a
2: kid, you know,
0: collecting comic books and I would show my dad something and he grabbed it kind of rough. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, and I was probably 12. I said, relax. I said, don't bend it. He went took it more and threw it out. I'll teach I was like I I I like just like your car dad you like to keep it nice I want to keep this nice I didn't there was some I that's why I bought so many different copies of spawn and and spider-man one
2: yeah and
0: x-force and x-men because one would be the good copy and one would be the one you read because you like to keep it nice so yeah I get why people need a nine eight because it you wanted something nice it you know
2: you're JP, I want to go back to another, uh, uh, like I said, that question about why do I like selling, what do I sell? It's a multi-layered um, question. And this brings me to another part of it. A lot of times when I sell something, I have more than one, right? A lot, sometimes I'm responsible for if there's only one or two on the census and the census grows to three or four, I may have been the person to put that additional uh, extra on the census because I get really focused on my hunts, right? Um, and so- And then I end up with more than one. Like, for instance, this wizard 9.8, this is the first 9.8 on the census of this one. And we just showed it. I didn't grade this one, but I had the sense that I should acquire it when it became available a few years ago. So I did. But since then, um, now there are four on the census. Well, the second one that was added to the census belonged to a friend of mine. So I bought it from him. So then I had two of them. The third one that is on the census, I actually don't know who owns it. Oh, I'm sorry, the first one on the census I don't know. The second one was this one, I bought it. The third one was a friend of mine, I also bought that one. And my friend just added a fourth to the census. So he owns that one currently and it's for sale. But the reason I sold one of these the other day for $2,100. And people thought that I was out of my mind. I had trolls on eBay, because I listed it on eBay just for fun to see if someone was willing to give me something ridiculous, nobody did. But trolls on eBay were like, I'll give you three hundred. I'll give you five hundred. Didn't it sell for three hundred a few years ago? That was a few years ago, bro. You got a time machine. What are you going to do? You should have bought it. Like, what do you want me to tell you? Because it's not that much anymore and I have them. So I get to set the price and I have and I don't mean that in a I mean, it's a cocky thing to say, but I have confidence that I will find my buyer. I don't need everyone to appreciate what I've got or understand its value. What good does that do to me? I just need to find the person that digs it, you know, and And I I put it up on my Instagram is where it's sold. The eBay didn't find my buyer. But on my Instagram, I put it up, a picture of both of my copies. And I said, I'm selling one of them. And it's $2,500 or best offer. And a $1,500 offer got negotiated, negotiated, negotiated. $2,100 shipped, I sold one for. and uh, But that's another thing. Like, sometimes I have two. Now, this one, I'm not going to sell. I know how difficult it is for this book to 9-8. I will sell this one when I'm able to put a 9-8 newsstand of this on the census. If I put a 9-8 newsstand of this on the census, this can go to someone else because that's going to take its place and be cherished.
1: Uh, On that note, so Manu, um, that one of the questions I wanted to ask you. So like, what would be some dream pieces for you to chase down?
2: Brother, I gotta tell you something. And I can't, you're gonna you're gonna have to have me back on the program if you will, because there's something in a few weeks that I'm gonna speak about openly. And I'm gonna get emotional just talking about it right now. And you'll probably be able to piece together what I'm talking about. Is it what but I asked the... you about the other day? Yeah, so you can't we can't talk about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay? no
1: problem.
2: But one of one of my dream accomplishments, bro, I'm gonna start crying. So yeah. I one of my dream accomplishments we we did it bro like wow we did it so we'll talk about that thank you man and um it's not even in hand yet is why i can't like you know i don't want to i don't want to put it i i want i need it safely in my hands and then i could be like oh my gosh you know but i've seen the grade I've seen the the notification from CTC. Yeah, yeah. I asked,
1: you, I asked you that day. I was like, "Are you going to wait till you get it, or are you going to check your grade?" You were like, "No, I check my grades." You crazy? Wow. Oh, I check. Yeah. yeah. So
0: check the private chat. We can. You guys can put it
1: there. <laughs> when we get I'll, off I'll record, JP. When we get off record. Yeah. When we. Oh get no, off yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know yeah. anything.
2: But but Rohan, I mean, you know what I'm alluding to. I can't believe. So th- that was one of those accomplishments. But to put that aside, because that was like, here's a goal of mine as well an ASM 300 9.8 newsstand. I'm not gonna pay 16,000. I'm not gonna pay 20,000. I have to grade into that book,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: right? So that's one. I need a 9.8 newsstand. I wanna say I was able to do it. I have to grade into that book. Uh, Another one is a Malibu Sun 13 error edition 9.8. There's only two yellow labels on the census and one blue. I just want to add another blue to the census. So when that census reflects two and two, I want that second one to be me. So I'm actively working on that. That is incredibly That's difficult. Fun.
1: That's the spot, the spot yeah, where the it's like white background and it's like green and black or something. So right?
2: yeah, this book, but the background is missing a color, but this book here, right? Like I mm-hmm. absolutely love Malibu Sun 13s. I've nineated a bunch of these. This is one of those books that I love passionately and it loves me back. Like people, people like, it's this is just a magic book, bro. absolutely incredible. So I'm never going to stop pursuing this book, grading this book, photographing this book, hoarding this book. It's never going to stop for me. This is a this is a forever PC. The title is <laughs> the book itself is going to come and go, but it's yeah. a forever book, you know. Um. So so those kind of goals, I, I absolutely still have and they're never going to they're never going to go away. I love the same things, and I just want to find the more rare version. I'll give you an example of one thing that was a goal, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to say that we crossed that off the list, but it made an enhanced version of the goal. I love 316, everyone knows that, um, or anyone that's listened to me talk about it. And I love the newsstand, of course, but to take that a, a level up in rarity, Mark Jewelers. I love Mark Jewelers inserts, you know? and. I had a goal of having a 9.8, 316 Mark Jewelers. That's an incredibly rare book. I currently at the moment know two owners and I've made multi, multi, multi thousand dollar offers and they're not mine yet, you know? So the money's not swaying anyone to sell it because where are you going to get the book from, you know? Mm-hmm. So both people are, are the same sentence is, is when I feel like selling it, you'll be the first to know. And <laughs> you know, that's really all I could do. But.
0: I have to um, say, I have a bunch of, i was been a collector of the newsstand since I got back in. I have not one Mark Jewelers, not and, one I found.
2: Yeah, so they are rare in that regard. Yeah. And then when you're looking for nine eights, right? So yeah. I, um, I was visiting some family about an hour and a half away from my house. And uh, I had a timer set for this eBay auction that was going to, excuse me, that was going to happen. And I'm playing with, like, my nieces, and um, I was like, oh, gosh, the auction, you know? So minutes left. It was a raw copy of a Mark Jewelers 316. But I had previously, you know, the five days waiting for this auction to end, already looked at the pictures as many times as I I could. Uh, I think I asked for additional pictures from the, uh, the seller, and his story seemed sincere. He's not a comic book guy. He's the original owner of this book, as well as two others. But this was just the auction for the 316 Mark Jewelers and I had a price in my mind that I was prepared to pay. And I weighed in certain factors. I was like, you know what? I'm willing to pay about a thousand bucks for this book, raw, because it looks like it's no less than a six. And if I score a six Mark Jewelers, I'm easily gonna sell it between $1,500 and $2,500. Like that's what I was thinking, especially at that market. I was like, I'm gonna be fine here. At the very least, I'm gonna break even because I don't think it's less than a six. So I go into bidding action at the very end the book ends up after tax and shipping. I won it for less than my final bid. And after tax and shipping, I was close to a 1000 bucks. So I get the book in hand. You know, it gets delivered. And it's gorgeous. And I knew it had a chance at a nine eight. And certain people try to convince me to sell it to them. And I said, there's no way I can price this book raw for you. And I don't want to sell it to you. It's my responsibility to grade it. See, there's certain books, like A Malibu Sun. Like, this book um, is a 9.8. This is a guarantee. In my mind, this is a guaranteed 9.8. Well, a 9.8 of this book right now is $5,000 to $5,700. A 9.6 of this book is $1,200, $1,100, $1,300. How am I supposed to sell this raw to someone? I can't because I'm not going to sell it to you for $3,500 because if you get a 9.6, you're going to lose over two grand. And I'm not going to sell it for less than $3,500 because then I'd be leaving thousands and thousands and thousands on the table if it's a 9.8. It is my duty to grade this and look for the buyer that's going to pay five grand. There's no other choice. So with the Mark jeweller, I mean, there's a choice, but it's not a smart choice. And so the, Mar- the Mark Jewelers book was the same thing. People wanted to buy it because they recognized how good it looked. And I said, I can't. I don't even know what a 9-8 Mark Jewelers is supposed to cost. I know that no one would sell it to me for $4,500. So what, am- what do you want me to do? Right? And so I had it pressed. I submitted it. We got a 9-8 on it. We have a nine eight three sixteen 316 Mark Jewelers. And the thing about it, though, and now I have said, this is the only book I make the exception for. The reason it created a more enhanced uh, hunt is because I got off white to white pages, though. Oh. So I, and it, yeah, if there was ever a book that I would make the exception for, it would be that. But that means I don't have my grail yet in that book. I need a white page, 316, Mark Jewelers 9.8. I the don't audacity know is. of
1: CGC to give you the off white. I, I think
0: should, there's no reason it uh, should be off white in a nine eight. I, I, agree I know on this one, it's the stupidest I thing. It should be a 9.6 off white. Even even it, I think it should have to be white pages all the way up through nine two. My opinion. I like it that. I nine. like
2: that perspective you share. Like instead of it being a color, have it also reflect in in and the grade, grade itself. Yeah, Dude, you know what that would do to the nine eights? Like that would give so much integrity to a nine eight. Like a nine oh, yeah. eight would be unarguably a nine eight.
0: Yeah, it yeah, would be a game be changer. No,
2: there
0: should be no room. Now you when you got it back, that that was recent. So therefore it says mark Jewelers, it says News No, no, no that,
2: well, that was not it was recent in the in the fact that it was like a year and a half ago. Oh um, Uh, But it it didn't say newsstand on it, but it did say Mark Jewelers. See, CGC had made the transition to notating Mark Jewelers a long time ago, but not breaking them out in the census. Newsstand. But yeah, uh, or even Mark Jewelers. Like you can't go to a 316 census and see how many Mark Jewelers there are. It's not broken out. It is just identified on the the label. On the label. Yeah. On the label, it says Mark Jewelers insert. And that's only if you told CGC it has one. Because I know people that have submitted Mark Jewelers books, and they get it back encapsulated with no recognition, because CGC oftentimes doesn't even open your book, let's just be honest, they don't, you know, if it's a modern-ish book, they're not counting your pages, they've got other books to grade, they're looking at the page color, they're giving you some arbitrary grade, they're moving on with their day, having lunch, Um, so And now, you know, there's some confusion about this newsstand thing, just because they've started to notate the label at newsstand, which they don't always do. You still have to have a sticky note on the book, have another message written on your your actual packing slip, you know, maybe even put in a phone call and send an email to Matt Nelson to get it done. It's not broken out on the census, though. So for newsstand hunters and newsstand collectors, we know a newsstand when we see it anyway. It's not always a barcode. Sometimes it's on the back, sometimes direct and newsstand have barcodes, but there's a nuance in the barcode. But we know what we're looking for. There's a slash, we know what we're looking for, so we don't need the label to say that. But the fact that the label says it is more for advancement in the, in the overall perception of newsstands and the marketing of it. That legitimized newsstands in the eyes of novice collectors because now if CGC, the authority, which they are not an authority on anything, by the way, um, <laughs> but, but from, from someone just new to collecting that's not deep into it and doesn't necessarily have everything figured out, They do look at CGC as an authority. So if CGC is willing to now openly recognize it and put out a press release about it, it makes it more important in the eyes of an everyday pop culture consumer. So that was really beneficial. But to people that know what they're doing anyway, it doesn't make any difference. Also, it's not broken out on the census. Now they say that they're going to put something into place where they'll try to break it out. But here's the the question I have. 20-some-odd thousand graded 300s, ASM 300s on the census, right? Sure, CGC tells you that they have pictures of each one, which I I would assume that they don't. Um, They're never going to backtrack and do it and look through them all. And even if they do, how are you going to trust them? If you can't trust them to recognize a newsstand when it's in front of them, how can you trust them to go through 20,000 books and properly break it out? We're never going to know how many newsstands of an ASM 300 actually exist. The only metric we're going to have is how difficult it is to find and what is the availability. And the availability on a market on any given day is like for a 9.8, some days there aren't one. And if there are one, there's a thousand direct editions for sale in a 9.8 and one newsstand, you know, like that's just how we kind of weigh the rarity of it. CGC is not going to help us in that. And going forward, if they do, they might, but historically they won't
0: right going for they are but that doesn't give you an accurate number of
2: well not even people, they are so. jp not even they are they currently do not like if i submit a 360 okay look this book says newsstand on it right it was just graded this is not broken out in the census as a newsstand this is in the count for the direct just because they put it on a label they're not actually breaking it out they're just appeasing some complaints
0: well hopefully they have it that they can they can grab that data to sort future because they can't go back if they never put the label on, put it on the label, then they can't go back to sort that info.
1: Right? Well, but now that it's there, they can
0: go back and grab it. You know what I mean? Yeah, Ron, what did you say?
1: I said they could if they had the photo of it like they say, and then they wanted to go through. Like the photo. they say, but man, yeah, they're not so
2: I, I agree, I agree, they
1: won't do that for sure.
0: But but the new no. ones that they're grading with newsstand, they can go back and grab the data because it's probably they can probably grab it through a you know through a computer program to grab it. They can't take that time to go through 20,000 photos of the ASM and right. all the superman and all this and that. There's millions that they didn't you know put that absolutely. label on.
2: So You're absolutely right. And and another important nuance is there are books that are broken out on the census as newsstand versus direct. But they were always, that's not a product of the new change. I'm going to give an example. The example I I like and enjoy giving, because I have a great deal of experience with this book. And I'll talk about how I graded the rarest version of that book. I was super happy about that. And I had to deal with CGC to make me a special label for it, because there was something about that book that made it um, very unique. So Spawn number nine, the first appearance of Angela, the first appearance of Angela and medieval Spawn. right? Spawn number nine has a direct edition and a newsstand. The direct edition has glossy interior paper and it has a black and white poster in the center. The poster is by Jim Lee. That's the direct edition as we all know it. The newsstand has newspaper print interior paper. It has a barcode on the outside, of course, but it has newspaper print interior paper and no poster. So it is manufactured differently. CGC has always had them separated on the census. That's an example of a book because it has an actual manufacturing difference, it is separated. When the actual construction of it is different or if the price was different for a newsstand, it was already perceived as a different book and separated. The interesting nuance, so so those always existed. That is not affected by this change. That's just a nuance that had existed for some newsstands but not all, because font number one the newsstands and directs are not broken out because there's actually no difference to the construction. So when I say that spawn number nine, the directs had posters, they all do. You can't grade a direct without a poster, it's incomplete. The newsstand to say all of them have no poster is 99.99% accurate. There was a period of time where I was acquiring um, uh, spawn nines by the dozens in high grade because it was a play I was making, to be completely honest. I saw a 9.8 blue label sell for $1,800 one day. And I had already had maybe 15 or 16 of them. And I thought, no way, 1,800, I need a hoard. I need as many as I can get. So I ended up with 30 something, really high grade, really intentional in what I was doing. And I started, um, it, it was so funny because only one copy had the poster. And I was like, what? is the poster ripped out of all these other copies? What is this worthless pile of spawn nines I have? Because one copy had the poster, a newsstand. And I was like, why does one have it and none of these other ones do? And when I would go into the center fold where the staples were popping through on the non-poster copies of my newsstands, I would see little fibers around the staples. So I was like, oh gosh, how did the posters get ripped out of 30 some odd copies of this book? Like, what's going on here? And I thought, well, I'm not gonna grade these then because I've screwed up. And then over time I realized the anomaly that I have is the newsstand with the poster. And the only reason all of these newsstands don't have a poster but have fibers on the staple is because it's newsprint paper. So when they were pushing the staple through in their normal binding practices, it ended up having these sort of fibrous holes where the staples were pushing through, it was perfectly natural. And the anomaly that I had was the newsstand with the poster. So the first two that I sent to CGC of my Angelas was the nine the 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 newsstand with the poster and without, and I left notes everywhere. I got nine eights on both of them, and they sent me both of them back with the same label on it though. The label said newsstand, but I needed the newsstand to reflect that this is a newsstand with the poster,
1: and yeah, I, I started to
2: like. Yep. Like.
1: I was going to say, it's just like uh, if you get an issue with a double cover, they list it as exactly. double
2: cover. Yeah. And so I, I started talking about it on Instagram. And one of my friends was at uh, New York Comic Con. And there was a dealer there, Royal Collectibles, a comic book store in New York. And the owner's a great guy. And they actually had one. And it had a label that said newsstand with poster. And I thought, what the heck? And I asked my friend, he sent me a picture and I said, dude, you're, this is amazing. This is what I need to send CGC to tell them what to correct on mine. And I said, can you also ask the guy how much he wants for it? Anyway, they put, put me in touch. We became friends and he made me an offer. I mean, he told me how much he wanted and I said, well, I kind of got one already, so I'm going to pass, but it's nice to know what you want for it, right? Uh, and I appreciate it. And I sent the pictures of the book and I resubmitted, not resubmitted, but did a mechanical error with CGC. And I got the book back with that label that says it's a newsstand with the Jim Lee poster. You can buy a hundred copies of that book and literally you will have a 1% chance, if not less, of one of them having the poster. Again, not directs. All of the directs have the poster, but like all of the newsstands do not. So it's very special. I only have right. um, one raw now with the poster. I still buy them all the time if they have the poster, but literally I only have one raw with the poster. And... Uh, and, and yeah and yeah so I, does yours now have the correct like cgc
1: label that you want
2: yes absolutely nice. yeah we accomplished that uh in the same month that we graded it got on the phone with cgc facilitated it they sent a shipping label they took care of it i was very proud of uh, making some content around that book yeah
1: nice nice
0: i just uh traded that book i had a newsstand i found but i don't i didn't look for the poster i just knew it was <laughs> you could stand. add gold jp well, Damn. the
2: chances are it didn't have it, so you could rest yeah, assured. It, no it was no
0: 9-8. It was no 9-8, so.
2: Well, then, yeah, then, then it's fine anyway. No, but yeah. I mean, no. You know, the, the raw one that I have, the raw one that I have with the poster, and it's no 9-8 either, but I have to keep it just because it's a raw one with the poster. If anyone ever pulls my card, I can't open the CGC one and show them, but I can grab this raw one and say, no, guy, there are some that have the poster. Happy yeah. hunting. Yeah. You
0: know? yeah. No, I mean, I – I um. When I go through to antique stores looking, I start, I'm looking more now for the DC universe logos on them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Those are cool. Yep.
0: Those are, those are hard to find, but yep. for whatever reason, the way the, the the books are in the boxes, it's hard to see that actually have to pull it every yeah, single one. All the way out. Yeah. Yeah. But for the newsstand, I just seem to be finding more of them early on. And you know, I have always not every collector always has an affinity for affinity for the newsstand, but I'm always like, well, that's the new stand. They're like, yeah. I'm like, you know it's in high grade so you don't find that because that one was on the shelf at the Seven Eleven that got pulled and yeah. and twisted some of them when you find them high grade it's much harder to find that than a even a dcu high grade in my opinion you know a, a 9-8 so i always had an affinity for that and not everyone does but you know i definitely had an eye for that early on so i can appreciate um what you're what you've been looking for i don't find anything that rare though <laughs> Maybe there's something here, but like I said earlier, Man. there are no Mark Jewelers in all the newsstands I have. And I have at least a thousand
2: books here and I have no Mark Jewelers. I'm going to show you um, the books that I'm going to be uh, sending out soon. Um, this is my cup of tea. So I'm really excited about this one. Amazing Spider-Man 311. right? Yeah, that's a great cover. Love this cover. Newsstand. Not only that, Mark Jewelers, 98 Candidate. Nice. Now, it could come back a 9-4. Because I the way the corners are, I've just seen this book get a nine eight with sort of fuzzy corners because of the era that it's from. But um, this I'm gonna be super excited if this is a nine eight or even a nine but I obviously I'm shooting for a nine eight, like I wanna like be like super enthusiastic. So when you
0: hold the nine and, that you you can see it from the top, right? You can see the oh yeah, Mark you,
2: yeah, you can see the Mark Jewelers. And you know, you know, Mark Jewelers inserts are always different colors, but this one is a black insert. Well, you can't see yeah. it on this, but yeah, you can well, see but it on the top. Like, yeah. I,
0: I try to look through at the top, you know, when I'm looking through the box to see yep. if it's any Mark Jewelers. I don't. I know I don't have any. I've never seen one in the wild. Oh, they're,
2: they're, they're difficult. They're especially difficult in high grade, of course. Um, I mean, this one I purchased knowing it was a Mark Jewelers. It's not like someone had a sneaky copy and I knew something they didn't. I just, no one, I only paid 50 bucks for this on eBay, like that's just a no brainer. I have to buy that every single time. (laughs) Nine, four or higher. Amazing Spider-Man, McFarlane run, Mark Jewelers. Mark, Mark Jewelers. It was a Mark Jewelers. He knew it was a Mark Jewelers. I knew it was a Mark Jewelers. No one else jumped on it. I mean, you gotta act quick. I might've been the first to see it. I really don't know. But $50 is my all in cost. That means before tax and shipping, it was like listed for 30 bucks. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's amazing.
2: If this comes back a 9.8, that's like, I don't like, I don't know. It's over, it's over $1,500. It's below 5,000. It's going to sell for whatever someone's willing to pay me, but it ain't going to be less than 1,500 if it's a 9.8. And even as a 9.6, like I would sell this for like 350 or $500 because that's awesome. Yeah. So you have to, you have to pull that trigger every single time. And that's just what I love about what we do, man. Because you know what? If I had bought this book and it came in looking like an 8.5, and my investment into the book is fifty dollars total. I would have it's given total. it away, and I would have enjoyed that too. Like someone would have, I would have given it away. There's, there's so many books. There are people that buy books for me, and if the book has three, four, five hundred dollars margin of profit on it, yeah, nice, it's, man. not I more love it. <laughs> oh, Yeah, this one, this one is black. I'm pretty sure.
0: And so I don't think this- it's quick. This might be I, – I don't really believe that any book I have is a 9.8 because it's all – especially the ones I've kept as a kid, I've, I've read them all. So there's no yeah. way it's a 9.8. And if I find one at an antique store, there, it's probably not a 9.8 either. Like there's I, I there's a couple that are it's close, tough, yeah. but I would just think like it has to be almost next – it has to be perfect. But like you were saying, that corner part of the era, you know, they, they took account some of those things, took for account the era it was from and a little easier or harder on grade, depending
2: on a couple of things. So yeah. maybe. No, yeah, it's, it's definitely possible. Um, this this particular one is is not a Mark Jewelers, but it's a 9-8 candidate. So it's only right that I send it. I've been selling a lot of these recently um, in, in high grade, but raw for between like 185 and 250. But when it's something that I actually believe is a 9-8 candidate, you run into that pricing issue again. I cannot, I cannot sell this raw for 1500 bucks because a 9.6 is only worth 500 bucks, right? So I have to take the risk. I have to grade this book. I'm not going to sell it to someone knowing that it's potentially a $2,000 book. I've got to figure that out. And if it's a 9.6, I'm still profitable Oof. because I bought it for far less. But I have ask- to grade it.
0: A question. Okay, so you go you on eBay, right? You got that book. A good well, price, this one did not period. come from
2: eBay. This one, I know, didn't, but the other one. this
0: one did. Yep. This, this one did. Okay. EBay. Yep. Yep. So you send that in, and you and you get, and it's worth fifteen hundred, and yep. that's that's a great margin there. So what's wrong with you taking that raw book, the two fifty two, and if someone's willing to pay you somewhere in between that, if they comes back, and I mean, you, the the chance you have is losing the highest, the nine $8 cost, but yes. if they're willing to pay you that on a raw. And it comes back a nine, six. That's, that's kind of like, well, that's the chance they took. Right. And that's exactly, right. Right? It, that's exactly right. That's exactly right.
2: That's why I can't do it because even if that person understands that they made that decision, that person is going to hold it. There's going to be resentment there. Hmm. We're, yeah. it's, I, I can't do, I want a reputation of under, over, uh, under promising and over delivering, not the reverse. Right. That's the reputation that I've built everything on and I'm going to continue to, uh, I sold somebody seven raw angelas, the spawn nines, newsstands, 9.8, because I assumed that there was a risk that for me they weren't guaranteed nine eights. He got five nine eights out of a lot of seven. That's the kind of happiness I want out of someone that buys something from me. All you right. know? And there was actually one time I did what you said. I had this is a great. I had a black and white spawn one. Black and white spawn one, right? It's a between three and $3,500 9.8. And it's like, a, I forgot what it was, maybe like a $1,500 9.6. I don't remember exactly. Maybe even, oh no, it was $1,000 9.6, right? And I had it raw and it was beautiful. I was like, we can 9.8 this thing. And I had a buyer already, someone that's been after. Remember I told you every now and then someone's like, yo, if you 9.8 that book, this is what I'll give you for it. So this guy was ready to give me $3,000 for it. And I said, well, I've got one now, so I'm going to try to 9 ain it. And, you know, when I'm ready to sell it, you're going to be the guy that buys it. Like, that makes perfect sense for me. I love that. But I said, you know what? Let's have some fun. I said, if you're willing to give me, I think the price was 1800 I think it was, because uh, I was into the book really good, right, uh, at a really low cost. And I said to him, if you give me $1,800 right now today, the book is yours. And out of that $1,800, I will absorb the cost of pressing it and grading it. If you get a 9.8, congratulations, you've doubled your money. But if you get a 9.6, you're going to lose $700. The choice is yours. And he actually committed to it, right? He committed to it. And I felt good about it at the time, but the book actually came back a 9.6. And I felt so terrible. And I said, brother. I can't do this. I'm sorry. I can't have you lose this money. I'll keep the nine six. Take your money back. I'm so sorry, brother. I, I just don't feel good about that. I get it. Oh, we yeah. agreed. We're grown-ups. But that's not what I wanted. I wanted it to be the happy ending, dude. Like right, yeah. you you're shopping with me. You're you're spending thousands of bucks with me. This is not the thank you I want to give you. I can't do this. I'm sorry. Right. And so we reversed it. I noticed one imperfection on that book. We cracked it out. We corrected the imperfection and we nine that book. Nice. We nine that book. If it went into his collection, he's an end collector. He doesn't grade. It would have never got cracked out and graded. It would have just existed as a nine six that he overpaid for. But I gave him his money back. We couldn't play that. I didn't. I didn't feel good about it. But you know, did what we had to do to repress it and regrade it, and got the nine eight, and uh, ultimately sold it to the same person, but for a good deal right and everyone's happy you know so completely appreciate what you're saying but that's an actual experience as to why i can't and rohan already knew like i just wouldn't feel good about it
0: no it yeah. makes sense though no. it's most people aren't gonna when you buy something on ebay it says the returns not accepted
2: know, so yeah.
0: it's always good when someone especially when it comes back a great day you know, didn't want and, and you gave them the uh, the upfront, hey, it could come back one way or the other and you yeah. got to take the risk and you didn't feel good about the transaction and someone will buy again from you because you took care of them.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I, so I firmly believe that. Instead of that profit, you may have gained infinitely more profit just because of the loyalty you've gained.
2: I firmly believe that. And he and, and at that point, yeah, he, he, he bought that book for me and it was several thousand, but he has since then spent up... Uh, he is... The, the the biggest book that i've transacted with him was eighty five hundred. so i think the trust was built and i love that relationship and i'm very happy that we did it the way we did Um, rather than being like ah you lost 700 bucks bye
0: i got another book to sell you right now it's yeah uh, yeah, yeah, you made it right
1: yeah Yeah. so manu um jp and i could talk literally all night uh, but we should probably wind down i have two questions for you though okay uh jp if you also have any other follow-up questions but One, since you are a Spider-Man fan, but you love the 90s nostalgia, yeah, would an AF-15 be something that you would want or is that not something that matters to you? That's question one.
2: Okay. Oh, you want me to, okay, question one. Yeah, because question two is completely unrelated. AF-15 is one of the most important things in the world, as I perceive it. I absolutely want one in the collection but I do not feel a sense of urgency. Um, and that that doesn't mean that, obviously I think prices for it are gonna go up over time. And obviously right now is a better time to acquire it than it was a year ago. But here's what I say about AF15 often to people is, I don't remember it from when I was seven, eight years old. Hi. <laughs>
1: Hello. They're, they're like, I'm going a little past my limit. That's why they're coming in now. <laughs>
2: Oh, okay, okay, we'll we'll wrap this up. Um, I don't remember it. I don't have that, I have, I know the historical significance and it has a, a degree of emotional significance because it's Spider-Man and it's, you know, the origin of Spider-Man. And so it's tied into everything, but it doesn't have an emotional significance because I don't remember it from when I was a kid, you know? The 90s stuff is more impactful to me, but that book is extremely important and I will have one in the collection.
1: Nice, nice. I then- really
2: wanted, yeah
1: oh no go ahead finish that up
2: i just want to challenge myself i'm scared of golden age. that's golden age or is that silver age no that's silver 62. age silver
1: age still 63 silver-, silver age
2: okay oh 63 and uh i i'm scared uh because i've never graded some i i want to buy a raw one and grade it. straight up it's gonna be up. hard to find
1: that's the thing too right like
2: i know and color touch and this and that i'm not yeah. gonna be able to see any i don't deal with old i don't they all look dusty and messed up to me i have no idea right. what i'm
0: looking at people wrote all over those books yeah, yeah. What's yeah. to say? One that someone wrote her name and or color touched it. So,
1: yeah. well, the guy so that, for the episode we just that's dropped the challenge. I want. Jason, he actually was able to buy one raw and it worked out for him. He's actually since sold it, but so it does. It is out there. It's just that's gonna be a lot harder to find than a graded oh,
2: one. Oh, I know. I know someone that bought a, uh, um, I know someone that was being offered a raw one, and for for a price. But he said to the person offering it to him, this is recently, to the person offering it to him. He said, listen. I'll pay you a bit of a premium, but I'm not going to buy it raw. Grade it and I'll pay you what the grade comes back at. You know, like we'll negotiate. If it lands this grade, I'll give you X, but I'm not going to pay you X prior to you grading it because that's way too much risk. I'll pay the premium, but you grade it. So a raw one was made available. I'm waiting for a raw one to be made available to me. Um, and then everything else has to make sense as well. And I'm going to consult with an expert because I can't look at AF 15 and know anything about it.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
2: You know, so yeah. But and then my day, for sure. M-
1: my uh last question was gonna be, and you know, maybe you don't want to talk too much about it because you're still kind of in plans with this, but you have talked about having your own YouTube channel. Why you just yeah. you know if you want to briefly talk about that, that'd be cool to hear about.
2: I think it's really beneficial for me to talk about it because it it motivates me to do it some more. And I do drag my feet sometimes, but I drag my feet when other things that are gratifying are working out around me. If I've got places to put my time and effort and it's producing the sort of results I want, then other things that have not started yet, I might continue to neglect, right? So Mm -hmm. since I'm busy and I'm enjoying what I'm busy with, I don't have the YouTube channel yet. But my friend, absolutely, without any doubt, I am going to have my YouTube channel and I am going to produce my own content, my own little spiels, like every now and then. I just want to go on a rant about something amazing that's happened or something that might be, you know, a concern to the community. I just want to hit record, give my take on it five to 15 minutes and then dip. And I just think I have to. So I'm going. Yeah, to. I
1: mean, you've already shared a number of uh, great stories here with us. So, I mean, like, I think you definitely got the content for it.
2: Uh, so I'm looking forward to it, man. But I just yeah. haven't done it yet because, you know, we're having a good time with a bunch of stuff. You know, it's yeah. whatever it it mm-hmm. happened. You know, I want to
0: it's that's the the hobby evolves over time and you're back into it somewhat recent and and Mm -hmm. Rohan and I are more recent than than you are and it's definitely evolved for us and I can imagine with you guys yeah
2: Hey, yeah you're back in the game comics and but you're 1977 nerd alert I I had a feeling that Rohan was recent because his name implies so but JP I didn't know you were recent like what do you mean recent like a year in
0: about a couple months before Rohan or maybe a couple months after him
1: no, so I've I was heard. I was spring last year, so I'm not even at a year yet. Yeah, Bro, was spring of 2021. Oh, yeah.
2: Nice. Oh, okay, yeah. fantastic.
1: Yeah, Manu, when I bought that 361 from you, that was essentially right when I started.
2: Wow. I'm dude, I don't it was it was obviously a newsstand, right? Did you buy a newsstand from no? Me? So
1: you actually posted um both the direct and a newsstand, and you were selling them together as a package. Okay. And at the time, that was more than I wanted to spend, you know. And so I said, hey, if you're open to selling one of these, I would buy one of them. Uh, yeah. And I bought the direct version from you. And then you you said, like, yeah, that's actually great because someone actually reached out about buying the newsstand on its own. So if he's in and you're in, let's do it. And so that's oh, how it I worked out. It.
0: It's funny because oh, Rohan and I have yeah. similar collections, but mine are more newsstand than and his are more direct. And, and yeah. some of them, you know, some of the same ones we own. So.
1: Yeah. yeah. And at that fun, time no. I would say, at that time, I would say I was just learning about newsstand as well. Um, and I, what I what actually I liked at that time about the direct too is you were like the direct is a potential nine eight candidate. The not the newsstand you were like, it's probably a nine four.
2: Something oh, like okay. that you said to me, yeah. Okay. Did you go on to grade that? Did we actually do our right on the grade?
1: No, actually. So I'm a big fan of uh, the CGC custom labels. So yeah. I still have that one. And I'm waiting for them to do another Carnage label. And then Man, I will do that the
2: Carnage label that they used to have is it's one of awesome. the best labels. did. Yeah, right. So I, I'm
1: hoping that there's another one that comes down the line. And then I will do that then.
2: And you guys said you two can talk for hours. I can literally keep going, so I'll stop and you you guys control let me know what's happening now cuz yeah, you dude, when we're talking about stuff like this, when we actually like each other as human beings and we're passionate about the stuff, come on, dude. That's um, the yeah. best part about this. That's oh, yeah. why this is, I can sell anything. I can be out here selling used cars. When are we going to get together and actually have a conversation we want to have? Mm-hmm. selling crap we don't care about. Yeah. Right. It's not It's not the same. This is life. It's not seller-dealer. It's life. It's all-encompassing. It's a community. Yeah. And we, we do whatever we want within it and respect it. And I love it. It's, yeah. It, it, go ahead, JP. I was
0: going to say, it's been fun for myself to get back into it. I was a big 90s guy. I'm probably older than both of you guys by about five years or more, but um, I definitely was know in the mcfarland big time and that's what i collected so um my first couple months back was buying all the books i got rid of stupidly as a kid so
2: right right you know hence
0: right. like I, I got them so you know still on the hunt though but uh um, definitely you definitely have a much cool much cooler niche in this market with uh, what you're looking for i think that's pretty neat so, i like that's i like so what nice. i heard today interesting stuff so yeah and we uh absolutely
1: absolutely would love to have you on again down the line especially uh especially once we're posted the news you're gonna have announced in a few weeks
2: i can't i'd be honored i can't wait thank you guys so much for having me obviously jp this is you and i this is our first time speaking so really nice and um yep. thank you uh what a pleasure and rohan and i we we became friends a while ago after exchanging some messages and stuff so i'm happy to, to call you guys my friends and be a part and, and to continue to kind of grow our community to this. Thanks for having me, man. Like, that's really I definitely awesome. I appreciate, appreciate
0: it. having you. It was great meeting you today. Great content. Uh, interesting stuff. I really, I really enjoy it. So, yeah. we have a lot
2: more to talk about, man. 2023. It's yeah. Just starting and already we've done so much. It's good. We're going to be, we're going to talk about some well,
0: Yeah. I love, love it, man. It. Definitely. All right. Well, it was great, uh, man. It was great seeing you. Uh, Rohan, great to talk to you again. This is twice in one week for us. So, always, uh, <laughs> awesome I talked to you more than my wife recently. So-, <laughs> <laughs> so, hey guys, peace out. All right, everyone, week. have a good one. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We'll talk to you later. Take care.